all about injuries. We're going to be talking today about should you train when you're injured, how to train around injuries and any rehabilitation protocols you should maybe follow if you are injured. Um, today is myself, Nathan, obviously, and joined by Harry and also special guest incoming. We've got Joss from Complete Sports Medicine, who I'm sure any of you listening to this who come to SBC would have met Joss in the building, either in an SBC women's session or you know her as Harry's fiance, or you just know her. So she's going to introduce herself. She's going to give us all the lowdown on everything injury related. And we're going to keep this podcast fairly succinct around 20 minutes. And hopefully, if you have had an injury before or you're currently going for an injury, this podcast will help you understand how and why and when you should train around it. Um, so, Joss, do you want to give us a lowdown on who you are? Hello. Um, yes, thank you very much for having me on your podcast. Um, so, my name's Joss. I'm a sports therapist um, and I've been qualified for about nine years now. Um, my undergrad degree is sports therapy and I also have a master's in sports medicine hence my business name being complete sports medicine Um, I've got my own business now and I'm over in Goring Um, I work from Worthing Physiotherapy and Osteopathy Clinic down in Goring Um, and I've had a sort of a history over the last nine years of working in various different clinical settings Um, I've got experience working with the general population and also um, some experience working with professional athletes as well Um, and I also have been a university lecturer um, and then more recently in the last year and a half set up my own business. Love it Joss what an introduction that is. Absolutely nailed it. Absolutely nailed it yes and we recommend almost every one of our members who has suffered injury before in their life whether that's hopefully not SBC, but whether it's outside of the building or just general wear and tear, uh, we send everyone to Joss because not only does she do a great job, she also helps guide all us coaches at SBC on rehabilitative exercises. Um, And I I think it's fair to say, Joss, that you do go the extra mile when it comes to that sort of thing, as as, my experience is a lot of people don't actually ever get told by their physio or osteo or whoever they're seeing of what they should do other than having a treatment with them and I definitely think that's a very very good thing that you do so yeah yeah thank you I think it definitely makes all of the difference though doesn't it like that just additional bit around what you do in the session um is just so important because obviously when I treat people I only see you for sort of half an hour 40 minutes um so it's everything else around that that just has such a massive impact so I think it is really important yeah, exactly. And, and in all our professions, being in the health and fitness industry, um, they should link up a lot more than they do. And I think you know this is a prime example of it, because like you said, if someone wanted to get the get their injury back on track or, you know, rehabilitate from an injury, if they were to just do it through you and the one hour sessions you do, they need to see you probably every day. So yeah, if you can yeah. incorporate some stuff around their normal gym use and um, luckily we have a great link. So, yeah, it works really well. And uh, yeah, you, Harry, you've you've been first-hand treated yourself, haven't you, many a time? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a nice place to start and see, um, like, what 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 Nathan from your experience of people that come in, what what do you think the most common injuries that we see or people um, people talk about having when they come in for as a new person, they might have a a few niggles from from whatever from life throws at them. But from your experience, what do you see mostly with people that start training in the gym? um 
normally the common injuries I'd say are probably around lower back has got to be up there. We seem to have a you know a lot of a lot of people that have come to SBC that have had some lower back pain in their life. I think the stats are quite high on how many people in the world get lower back pain. It's like eighty percent, isn't it, or something mental? So I'd, I'd say lower back pain being one, and then probably secondary injuries that we see are quite common are maybe shoulder related stuff. So issues with rotator cuffs, um, knees are quite common, uh, meniscus. ACLs maybe as well. I think we have we had a few members coming with ACL issues before and wanted um, exercises to rehab that. Um, but just probably just general wear and tear, isn't it? I think Harry, from our perspective, yeah, like lots of lots of um, often lower back, and um, I guess that's a good uh, sort of place to tangent onto Joss and say like, what what do you find is really beneficial to someone who might come in with that kind of common injury that is a niggling lower back that they've had for for a number of years or might restrict them from doing certain exercises yeah lower back pains are a really difficult one because there can be so many causes for it it's so multifactorial um often there are you know more obvious causes like someone could have had a disc injury or they could have a problem with a facet joint um but then there are other sort of non-specific lower back pain kind of cases as well which can be related to all sorts of different things so it's kind of nailing down what it is that's the underlying cause before we can put together a solution for it. But in most cases, if not all cases, movement is fantastic for people that have back pain, even if they have um, sort of, we call it fear avoidance behavior. So if you've had um, an injury and then it hurts when you move, then you become afraid of moving. And that's a really negative spiral to be in, especially for back pain, because it responds so well to movement. So one of the best things to do is actually promote safe movement that's within pain-free ranges and then gradually build someone up from, from that starting point. And it can have a huge impact. Even just getting them to do any sort of movement can be really beneficial, especially people that are sedentary or people that work at desk as well. That's another big thing. Yeah, I think, I think that's a great point because it, it, I find it very frustrating when, um, no individuals specifically, but just in general when people tend to, uh, give ups maybe a strong term but along those lines when they do suffer with an injury like a, a lower back pain when there is many things you can still do and I think mm. like you said just by moving and, and getting the right advice you can still keep yourself fit and healthy I, I think a lot of people these days if I'm honest tend to completely stop absolutely everything when mm. um, there is other ways of keeping yourself fit and healthy because you know, as we know now being sedentary completely sedentary is never going to make you recover quicker it's also never going to make you healthier is it so if we can keep someone training around an injury and helping that injury then it's kind of getting two birds with one stone really yeah absolutely um yeah. nice nice Mate, you got I've, I've, Harry? I've got a, just a, a quick point I mean, you mentioned one of the most common injuries that comes in might be uh, an ACL um and quite often we, we would work with people perhaps in slightly later stages after having that. So anterior cruciate ligament in the knee, very common when people have um, play sport, a sporting injury. Um, but I guess what I was sort of going to get on with Joss is what are the misconceptions about doing something with uh, a major surgery like that after? Mm. So like how quickly after can you do it? Because from my experience, and Nathan, you'll probably say the same thing. When we do see people, they tend to be a bit further down the line. And then they often go, oh, I wish I'd done this. So, you know, five, six months ago. Um, so, yeah, like what's the sort of misconceptions about doing rehab after surgery, Joss? 
I think one of the biggest things that people often think is that complete rest after a surgery is the only way to recover initially, which is actually, you know, research is coming out more and more now to say that that's not necessarily the case. And we actually would want to promote early rehab um, as much as possible. And rehab for an ACL um, reconstruction, for example, can happen literally the next day after surgery. Like get them straight on activation exercises, promoting range of motion back on the feet as quickly as possible all of those things are actually really beneficial for healing um because we're trying to build up the tissue tolerance we're trying to kind of get them back more confident on their feet get the balance there get the range of motion back and all of those things the research is pointing towards doing that as soon as possible rather than leaving it several months because obviously the the healing process um has its way of going through tissue adaptation and the scar tissue that starts laying down if that isn't stretched and isn't moved very early on then it starts to tighten up a bit more and then your range of motion is often limited um, so it's much better to get early rehab started obviously under the guidance of a professional but as soon as possible yeah so do you think from what i've read as well that that common what you said there seems to be a lot more common across multiple injuries doesn't it now where actually yeah. the best start to rehabilitate after a surgery is to some form of movement right is that kind of a, yeah. a general across a lot of things now would you say yeah definitely i mean back in back in the day well not even that long ago really we used to still think that immobilizing an ankle sprain was the best thing to do um yeah. and that obviously now we know that's really not the case at all and that will just cause everything to tighten massively and the scar tissue won't form properly and then you're more prone to re-injury so yeah things are adapting obviously everything adapts so quickly but that's definitely the general consensus now is to just get things moving get things going early early as possible really and i think that's important for people to to hear from someone like yourself because i know it's something that me and harry would say quite regularly to our clients but obviously we're slightly different from someone like yourself and what we offer and um when someone says that who actually has the expertise and it's just good to hear because i think yeah like you said a lot of people can still do some pretty amazing things even when they're suffering at some point really really bad injuries and injuries that you know at the end of the day an injury is obviously annoying painful and all the things you expect but i think actually from a mental point of view being injured just sucks doesn't it you're just unhappy you can't yeah, you can't live you can't live your life as full as you as far as you'd like to so if you can just keep moving I think yeah that, that's a really good point that you raised there yeah and I think another thing relating to that is to also make sure that we're not putting time goals in place with rehab and that it's more criterion based that's another thing that's kind of much more popular now because we used to sort of just say oh this needs six weeks before we get to this point and then this needs another three months before we get to this point whereas everyone's healing is going to be different the amount of rehab affects that your um your fitness level pre-injury or pre-surgery or whatever it was affects that so you know we sometimes see professional athletes that can go from like a shoulder dislocation and stabilization surgery into playing full contact games again within six to eight weeks which is obviously crazy considering we'd of often you know previously have thought you'd need much more rest than that time-wise but if they've achieved those criteria and they've set you know we've set clear goals and they've achieved them strength-wise function-wise there's no reason to not allow people to go back sooner and that can be really yeah. motivational as well even for people you know just general population not necessarily just professionals but psychologically knowing oh I'm not just out for six months now it's actually like no I'm out until I can achieve this goal and then we can move on to the next stage that can be really um just helpful just to kind of promote confidence as well yeah yeah exactly that yeah because it's you don't you don't want to go through periods of time with any 
like little activity. I don't think that's that's just not good from a physical and also a mental standpoint. So yeah, it's all good stuff. That basically take home message. There is many ways around training when you are injured. I think that's yeah. that's the first thing. Like you said, most importantly it, for us at SBC, if we have a client who has suffered an injury whether that's playing sport, whether that's something outside of SBC, we'd always seek someone like yours advice first before we just brought them in the gym and start chucking exercise. I know, Harry, you do a lot of liaison with Joss, don't you? You, you trained quite a number of ACL um, rehabilitation, in, you know, um, pro- protocols, I suppose, programmes with some of your clients now, haven't you? You must have done a multiple number since you've been at SBC. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've done, I think I've done four or five now. Um, and yeah, definitely like finding out some base information in terms of, um, like Josh said, that that criterion based um, sort of way of working out well, how far along the line someone is. Yeah. Um, and yeah, very much like making sure we get them stronger. Then we work incorporating some speed of movement. Then depending on what their goal is, generally the people that I or the people I work with have been in running based sports. Get them running again, change the directions, you know speed of change of direction those kind of things before we get them back into full um full playing but i think that's really um what, what would be really interesting is to sort of discuss a little bit about how we've adapted training in the past to meet clients who have been injured i know one of the things that people often would say uh, maybe more in a group training environment oh, i can't I've, I've injured so i can't do this or i can't do that and how you know we we've been able to adapt you know the whole session to make sure that they do for example they got a bad ankle they're doing upper body exercise instead and as you said not making you know making sure people have another exercise they could do or making sure that we've adapted the training so that it fits with you know what they're currently able to do yeah yeah exactly i mean it's important for us isn't it as as a business that we still get our members through the door even if they're suffering some form of injury um you know it's, it's definitely one of our our tick points and what we want we want people to actually turn up we say this a lot don't we across our social media and i think it's evident in how, how we do things but it's even more important when someone's injured because we know that we can help them and we can adapt things so they can still get something out of the session and i think going forward that's something we'd always continue to do um, exactly and i think there's been and joss might be able to say a bit more about the sort of detail of the science behind it but um you know research suggesting that if for example you've got one side injury say you have a a break, broken collarbone on your right side actually promoting muscle growth on the left side will actually help maintain some of the muscle mass in the injured side yeah, so not yeah. just doing nothing and, and making sure that you you know even if you can't use your right arm you use your left arm yeah, yeah. And neurologically that's that's really good because you're obviously activating the sort of neural pathways down one side but the spinal cord branches off on either side and supplies both obviously both limbs so some of that kind of adaptation will still cross over i think it's actually called the crossover effect so it'll cross over to the other limb um so yeah things like that fantastic just keeping keeping going keeping moving and it can really help with the healing on the other side yeah i mean that that science has actually been around for a while now isn't it i remember reading about that at university which is 75 years ago judging by my hair so um (laughs) Yeah, that, that science has been around for a long time. And even a lot of people are still unaware of it, aren't they, when you mention that to them? I know I've done that before with a few of my clients and they've not heard of it. So it's good it's out there. And so if you basically are in a cast, you can still train the other limb and get some benefit in the one that's in the cast. Bosh. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so if we set a scenario up then, just 
uh, a scenario that's quite typical. So let's say um, I've sustained an injury uh, walking Dennis, walking my dog. You know, I've gone off road, I've gone up to Sisby Ring and I've just rolled my ankle, hypothetically. Um, mm-hmm. What would be the process then you would recommend um, someone go through in regard to having the injury at this point to getting back to training? And what are the steps that you would recommend someone would follow? Um, well, I think seeking a diagnosis early is important because that helps us to put things in place to get you back as soon as possible. Um, so come and see somebody like myself and then I can diagnose exactly what you've done. So whether or not you've torn a ligament or if there's been something more serious gone on, because, um, you know, it's not uncommon for people to roll an ankle and actually sustain a fracture. So it's really it's really important to differentiate whether it's ligament fracture or muscle damage or whatever. Um, And then from there, we can kind of put together a plan. So it might involve, if you're seeing me, it would involve some hands-on treatment combined with some rehabilitation exercises to do at home. Um, I use the term kind of, well, it's a very common term, but it's called relative rest. So if we need to rest the area that's injured, um, we we can rest that area while still exercising other areas like we kind of previously touched upon so that you're not losing things like your cardiovascular fitness or your strength or strength in other areas. Um, And then rehabilitation for ankles normally involves proprioceptive work. So things like balance exercises, um, because the problem with ankle sprains is that once you've had one ankle sprain, unless you rehab really effectively, you're prone to more ankle sprains. Um, That's just the way it it tends to happen. You're always vulnerable to going over on the ankle again if you've not properly rehabbed. Um, So making sure that your your proprioception, your balance and your strength is, is really good. Um, and then getting back into obviously whatever else you're doing so if you are training in a gym getting you back into that environment as soon as possible but just in a non-aggravating way so reducing aggravating factors is another thing that I always say Um, so it may be that walking the dog for long periods of time on that ankle is not the best thing to do immediately but can we adapt it can we get you on on a bike for example Um, so you're not having to kind of have the same impact going through or can we get you adapting in some way so you're still able to take the dog out but you're not kind of risking going over on your ankle again there you go what a summary that was harry eh? yeah (laughs) and then i think touching on that further down so you know joss has got them back to a really good function and i think something you just often touch upon is trying to make sure that the person comes back to a point where they're better than they were before they got injured yeah so you, you know, then bringing in perhaps some more sort of strength and conditioning work, um, incorporating in some more speed of movement, getting them stronger. Obviously, a sprained ankle, putting your foot down a hole is a kind of, you know, it's a, not necessarily an injury you've sustained because of a weakness that you have. Yeah. But making sure then that we focus on, okay, are we, are we, are we nice and strong on our glutes? Is our pillars core strength really good? Um, and using an injury sometimes is an opportunity to develop areas that are not maybe as strong. So for example, sprained ankle, the relative rest might be, I'm going to get my upper body strength really good. I've got an opportunity now to focus on that. And I'm going to really hammer that whilst doing my fine rehab skills that will get me back to the point where I can then function again. Yeah. And that's, that's the good thing about sort of seeking a diagnosis as well, because whenever I'm assessing somebody, I, I don't always just assess the area of pain. 
um, because often it can be related to other things. So maybe the ankle sprain scenario, not quite so much, because obviously that's just an accident. But if there's an injury that's happened over time, we'd always look further up the chain or further down the chain and look at um, imbalances, muscular imbalances and stiffness in other areas. So that's the sort of thing that you can then work on. And that's why it is good to kind of get a diagnosis, because if you're not sure why something's happened and it could actually be relating to a totally different area and you don't fix that, then it can just keep happening again and again. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, exactly that. I think that's a good point, isn't it? Because you're not looking to get them back to where they were before the injury. You're looking to get them beyond that, aren't you? You're looking to make yeah. sure the injury hopefully doesn't occur again. And that good point that you made, Harry, as well, is that sometimes actually why not use that period of time when you're rehabbing one area of your body to focus on improving another area that isn't injured. Um, I think I think that that's a, that's a really valuable thing that you said there, and something that hopefully people take note of when. They have. I think it's particularly from a coaching point of view, it's not extremely challenging to work with someone that has one area of their body that's injured. You know, from things of like my experience and maybe Harry as well, you, you touch on this. Like, it's not that hard to if someone has a knee injury and they, they've got the rehabilitation exercises, say from you, Joss, that we're working on. But then the other style of the session and the other elements of the session is actually very easy to program. So, um, I think that's important for you to understand is those that do come to SBC, it's not a massive difficulty for us to change up a session if there's one. I think it's a lot harder, isn't it, when someone's got maybe like a lower back injury that is impacting the whole posterior chain or something like that. Um, I don't know what you think on that, Harry. Yeah, definitely. And I think from a coaching perspective, it's also really, it's really interesting and really stimulating to work with more, you know, different situations that are challenging because it, you know, it keeps you on your toes in terms of, you know, your knowledge, but also your delivery and how quickly you can adapt something. Um, for sure, if someone's got a lower back injury, then it's going to be more challenging. You know, you're going to have to avoid certain movements like, well, potentially flexing or extending too much. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you know, you've worked with a few people with, with bad backs and, um, you know, you, you might have to get them either in a, a prone position or supine position lying on their front or their back doing different things but there's this still lots and lots of stuff that you can do with them obviously we've got a, quite a wide range of equipment so we're, we're quite lucky with that and for example something like a safety bar is really handy because we can we can squat with someone who might have you know a one bad arm and they couldn't grip a bar normally or a shoulder um so yeah and from that perspective even something like um as simple as a knee extension hamstring curl machine that it's kind of overlooked quite often, but you know, like you say, if someone's got a bad back and they can't they can't flex or extend, then uh, so something as simple as just developing the extensors on that um, would be would be beneficial to them. Yep, I completely agree. Is there? I'm just looking at. We did make some notes before the podcast, which is what Harry made notes, which is very professional of him. Um, <laughs> is there anything, Josh, that you want to add? I mean, I think we pretty much summarised why it's beneficial for someone to continue to train um, after they've had their injury diagnosis um, and, and kind of the process of doing that. Is there anything you want to add to the subject of training with injuries? Um, I think we've pretty much covered it. I mean, the, the thing that I would just say mostly is that it's a lot easier to help with an injury if you come in early 
when you first had it it's a lot harder if it's been there for a long time and it's been going on and you've not got it checked out there's there is always things we can do but if you have the opportunity to come in sooner rather than later I would always take that opportunity rather than leaving it just because other things can often go wrong along the way and your body can adapt in certain ways um, down the line if it's more of a chronic thing um, but I, that being said I sometimes see people that come in and they say oh, I've had this pain for 10 years and it's still possible to fix things that have been there for 10 years so um, there's always the option to do that but if you're able to come in early um, and then it's just a simpler process for you and obviously for the practitioner as well yeah no I like it yeah so if you are feeling something or you're unsure just get done those early doors yeah I think that's exactly. true isn't it because a lot of people do so it amazes me how how long some people go through what I consider probably a decent amount of pain without ever getting looked at. Yeah, huge amounts of pain. Sometimes people are in, you know, they would rate it as like an eight out of 10 pain. And you say, how long have you had this? And they say a year. And it's like, wow, that's, you know, how have you coped with that for this long? Um, yeah. So, yeah, you have the opportunity. Get in sooner rather than later. Love it. Harry, you got anything to finish with? I think that summarises it very nicely. And and we've managed to stick to our sort of 20 minute time limit. So I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> there you go. What I do, we'll stick Joss's information below this podcast episode. But I'm sure if you listen to this at SBC, you'll be aware of it. And we've also got your posters up by the Water Fan, isn't it, Joss? And yes. cards at SBC. So if any of you are struggling with any niggles that you never talk about, just get involved with Joss because she's, she's awesome. Love it. Brilliant. Thank you very much.